0: You can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable whether it's via text chat phone or video call you can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you if your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge with BetterHelp you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy but with a therapist who is custom picked for you more scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com Adulting 101. That's BetterHelp.com Adulting 101.
1: This is the big thing with the Fresh Start is while you're going through this process, they are essentially allowing financial aid administrators to award federal student loans and Pell Grant And the free federal money to you to go back to school while you are working through this Fresh Start program. That is perfect. Take advantage of it, people.
0: Yes. Overall, I hear the whole theme song of money, 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 (laughs) money, in my head. So (laughs) that's excellent. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. I'm your host, Caspi Bias. You guys, it is about that time again. That's right. This is the season three finale of Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. Thank you all for listening. It all means so much to me how you all continue to tune in every week. You're all awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, to wrap season three up, the topic that I have for you all today is starting to pay student loans off after college. One of the big things you need to take care of when you leave college is to start paying student loans when payments are due. But when exactly does that period of time begin? What if you don't have a job just yet to pay off those loans? And what are your options through this process in general? Joining me on the show today to discuss these very important questions and more is Tamika Bybee. Tamika is a higher education professional who is passionate about financial literacy. She's the director of financial aid at Howard Community College. Consider supporting the show by becoming a patron. In addition to helping the podcast show out, you'll get exclusive access to sneak peeks to upcoming episodes, bonus audio content, audio archives, and more. Check out the show notes for more information. Tamika, thank you so much for coming on to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. If you haven't already, check out the new Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias animated series. There, you can review a few captivating moments from each episode in animated form. Check out the show notes for a link to the series. I want to go ahead and say hello to our audience and hello to Tamika.
1: Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nice to have you on the show. Thank you. I was wondering if you could give our audience um, a little bit more of a background on what exactly happens after college once they have taken out student loans? What happens after that? What all goes into effect?
1: There's a few different things that go on with student loans. And first I want to preface this by saying that there are different types of student loans. So you have federal student loans that are backed by the Department of Education. Then you have private student loans that are through private companies, such as a bank like a PNC or a you know Bank of America or even Discover. Sally May still do private student loans. They're called Sally May Smart Option Loans. And those are not backed by the federal government, by the Department of Education. So those private student loans do not have the same benefits. that come with a federal student loan from the Department of Education.
0: Oh, yes, I definitely, me and Sally Mae were,
1: yeah. (laughs) In my experience, I find that a lot of people who are borrowing the, the private student loans are either going to private institutions. The private institutions are exponentially more expensive than your public institutions, or they... Are taking out these private student loans just out of ignorance, not knowing the benefits that come or that are associated with a federal student loan. So moving along the track with the federal student loans, what you can expect when you graduate is um, most people have a grace period of about 30 days. And then after that 30-day grace period, then you go into repayment.
0: For those who do not know, what exactly is a grace period?
1: It's like a period with which after you graduate, you have like a breather almost where you're you're not expected to make any payments for 30 days. So after that grace period is up, then you go into repayment. So this is where it can get kind of sticky with federal student loans in particular. There are various different payment plans that you can select for your student loan repayment. There's a standard, there's a graduated, there's um, income driven repayment plan options. So there are a few different types of payment plans under the umbrella of income-driven repayment plans.
0: So as far as income-driven repayment plans, I'm assuming that's just driven based off of the income that you're bringing in at the time?
1: Yes, for the most part. That's one of the factors. The other factor is when you took out student loans. So for instance, the pay-as-you-earn is not available to people who borrowed after a certain year, but the pay-as-you-earn is only available to borrowers after a certain period of time. But the income contingent and the income-based repayment plan, those are plans that are available to any borrower. And so with the income base, you can't just like say, oh, I want the income base over the income contingent. There are subtle differences with regards to how the monthly payment amount is determined with both of those. So with the income contingent repayment plan, your monthly repayment amount is 15% 15% of your discretionary income. And there's a formula that the Department of Ed uses to determine discretionary income, and in that 15% with the income base or payment plan is only 10%. That's why you can't just choose the income base and you get on an income base if your payment amount is going to, according to the Department of Education, <laughs> is going to cause a hardship. They look at your total income in comparison to your total debt. and if you want to see like, oh, I want to know if I'm just, if I can get on the IBR, they make it really simple for you and that you go to studentaid.gov and studentaid.gov is the central hub for everything pertaining to federal aid, student loans, repayment, everything. You can see your whole history of borrowing. You can also see your Pell Grant history, how much you received in Pell Grant funds over the years. And that's where you want to go when you graduate. You want to go onto the studentaid.gov website and select your payment plan. You can say, I want the Department of Ed to choose for me, and they will choose the payment plan that's going to be the lowest cost payment for you per month. And then once you submit that, then they will go ahead and choose and you'll get the notification in your email.
0: Are you able to change between one over the other? Let's say if your circumstances change later on?
1: You absolutely can change. You can switch up I always encourage people to speak with their servicers because there are some repayment plans where there are like stipulations as far as like going back and forth. There may be some other things that you need to consider with doing that. So that's why I always tell people to reach out to their servicer because they actually can see all the information and can go through it with you. I also encourage people to go back to their school. So they graduated from the financial aid offices typically will assist graduates if they have questions regarding their student loans payment options and things of that nature after you have determined that there are some other things that people should be aware of and this is all spelled out in your exit counseling so if you borrow and once you graduate the school is required to send you a notification to do an exit loan counseling and in that exit loan counseling Some of the things that they talk about is repayment options, but then they also talk about some of the other benefits that are available to you as a federal student loan borrower that's not available to people who borrow private student loans. So some of those benefits are like a forbearance or economic hardship deferment. So if once you graduate, like a lot of people, you find that you don't have a job and you are out pounding the pavement, sending resumes out, or even if you have a job, but it's not in your field, or maybe you're not making the type of money that you thought you were going to make or Maybe you're just, you know, in between and trying to figure out what you want to do and your paychecks are not that
0: big. <laughs> They're not it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've all experienced that graduating, you know, with a bachelor's degree. I know I did. Same here. But um, that economic hardship deferment will defer your payments for X amount of months, however long you need to defer it while you're looking for a job. And it will pause interest. Accrual on your subsidized loan. Unfortunately, if you took out an unsubsidized loan, there's three different types of federal student loans. There's the subsidized loan, which is subsidized by the government, which means it does not accrue interest while you are enrolled at least half time in school. There is an unsubsidized loan, which is not subsidized by the government. So as soon as it hits your account, even while you are enrolled in school and taking classes, it starts accruing interest. And then there are the plus loans, There's a a parent plus loan, which a parent can take out for their child to pay for college. Then there's a grad plus loan, which the individual can take out to go to grad school to get a master's or a doctoral or whatever it is that they're doing in graduate school. So when you elect for an economic hardship deferment, that will stop the interest accrual on the subsidized loans that you took out.
0: That's great. A little bit of a relief from there.
1: Absolutely. The savvy students will only take out subsidized loans for that reason, because if you elect for economic hardship deferment while you're having an economic hardship, you can pause that interest accrual. And also, too, the interest accrual does not happen until after you drop below halftime status or graduate. So just imagine with the unsubsidized loan <laughs> while you're in school. And then four years later, and the whole four years, that interest is accruing. What is this? (laughs) And it's capitalizing, which is why you see the memes. You know, people are like, oh, I only took out $20,000. I paid $25,000 and now I still owe $30,000. That's how, because of the interest accrual and the capitalization of that interest on those loans.
0: Unsubsidized.
1: Yeah, there's economic hardship deferment. And then there's a voluntary forbearance. So let's say you are working, but you have other financial obligations that you are trying to pay off. You know, it could be maybe you are caring for somebody else. There's a voluntary forbearance as well. And you can elect for that voluntary forbearance, which will pause your payments. It's a little different than the economic hardship deferment in that you will still accrue interest, but it will pause those payments for you while you are getting your financial life together. And then there's other options with the voluntary forbearance. You can completely pause everything. You can elect to make interest-only payments. You just have to work through whatever your situation is with your servicer, and they will give you all of the options available to you with regards to the voluntary forbearance. And then there's some other forbearances and deferments as well for like um military or if you are volunteering for like with the Peace Corps, all of these benefits are available to you if you for whatever reason, are just not in the position to start making payments on your student loans.
0: What is the follow up with that (laughs) Um, for those who have private student loans? Sounds like they don't have any options. Do they have any options at all?
1: So it depends. It depends on the lender. So there are some lenders who may provide you with some type of deferment if you're in school or maybe some kind of form of a payment pause but it's not like the federal student loans, unfortunately. And again, it really just kind of depends on the lender and what they want to do. I always encourage people, just don't, if you don't have to, please don't take out private student loans because all of it is, it can impact your credit, unfortunately, federal student loans included. So if hypothetically, you can't afford to do anything and you don't do anything, meaning you don't reach out to your servicer, you don't ask for administrative or a voluntary forbearance, ask for economic hardship deferment, you just...
0: Ignore it. Like, it'll go away.
1: And hope that it goes away.
0: They won't find me if I don't pick up my phone.
1: You will be reminded (laughs) when tax time comes because they will take your tax money. And then on top of that, if that's not enough to pay off what you owe, then if you do find a job, they will start garnishing your wages. This is the government. If you own a home, they will put a lien on your property. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uncle Sam does not play about his money. If you go to studentaid.gov, you can do that exit loan counseling 10, 15 times if you need to. There's a lot of good information in there. And even if you don't want to do that, at least just reach out to your servicer and have the conversation because they will say, okay, well, here are the options available to you.
0: Right. They'll try to help you out as much as possible. Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, it's really just about making those informed financial decisions. You want to be informed if it's overwhelming, which I can see how it could be overwhelming to somebody. And you just want to talk to somebody, maybe get little nuggets to gently guide you in the direction that you need to go. Reach out to your alma mater. Reach out to your college or university. Talk to the financial aid counselors there More than likely, they will be willing to assist you. And more and more colleges and schools are now adopting student financial wellness and literacy into their regular programming. So they extend those benefits not only to the students, but also to the alumni. And again, kind of going back to earlier in the conversation, like there's never a reason to get to that point because there's so many options that are available to you. So you first go into delinquency status, then you go into default status. And then at that point, your wages are garnished and taxes are taken and all of that nasty stuff. Your credit is completely destroyed. However, with that being stated, there's still ways for you to be able to get out of default or out of delinquency. Particularly once you cross that threshold from delinquency to default, you no longer are dealing with your servicer. Like if you contacted your servicer, Because you see that you're defaulted, what they're going to do is they're going to refer you to the default resolution group, which is essentially like the Department of Education's collectors. So there is what's called, well, first, you can pay.
0: You can pay your your loans.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You can pay the past due. You can work out an arrangement with them to say, like, I know I'm past due on like $10,000, but I have $5,000 right now. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) Right. Can we just say, you know, I'm settled, you know, on the past due amount, not the total amount, but on the past due, if I give you this 5,000, they'll work out some type of payment arrangement with you. Or the other option is what's called a loan rehab. You can rehab your loan. Essentially, you will work out an arrangement with a default resolution group on what amount needs to be repaid in order for them to deem it acceptable to get you out of default. The third option is consolidation. So if you are a student who have multiple student loans. Right. And some of them are at a different interest interest rate than others. Right. Different payment amounts. What you can do if you default on one of those student loans or even all of them, you can consolidate it into one so that it's one student loan. And that consolidation gets you out of default because when you consolidate, it's essentially paying off that loan. It will not wipe out the history on your credit, but it will bring you out of default and stop, again, the taxes being taken, the wage garnishment, and make you eligible for federal aid if you choose to go to school again. So the downside to a consolidation potentially is interest rate. You may have, even though you defaulted on it, you may have some loans that are super, super low interest rate. But based off of whatever the feds is doing at the time, when you do the consolidation, it could be 3%, 4%, whatever, higher when you consolidate. So you may get an increase in your interest rate. But I mean, if you're defaulted, you probably are not really that concerned about that you just <laughs> because you can't afford it either way. <laughs> so
0: that could be a, a downside. So you talked a little bit about this. How does your student loans impact your credit before and after you've paid them off?
1: So there's a thing called credit utilization. And so one of the ways that it can really impact you, like with having that student loan debt over your head and carrying that student loan debt is it can impact your ability to purchase a home. And it's also going to be counted with all of your other debt, your credit card debt, your auto loans, whatever that you have on there. For me, that was one of the biggest impacts. It didn't stop me from buying a house, but it severely decreased my purchasing power. So the house that I wanted was at the time 200,000, but I was only approved for like 120,000. Got it. (laughs) And that was because of the debt load that I was carrying. And then again, like with just being past due or delinquent or slow pay and with it impacting your credit score and that showing up those past due payments or late payment showing up on there aside from your credit score being reduced, it also impacts your interest rates. Like when you do go to borrow, while you may not be stopped from buying a car or buying a house, your interest rate, you're not going to get the best interest rate that you could possibly get. It's going to be pretty high. It's
0: going to be super high.
1: Super high.
0: Yeah. When it comes to the student loan forgiveness program, there's also talks as far as refunds coming back to you if you have paid during the pandemic how exactly does that impact a young professional's credit
1: it wouldn't have any negative impact i can tell you that it actually would be like a blessing from god (laughs) just money raining down into your lap like for instance so let's say you owe ten thousand dollars right Let's say you're eligible for the $10,000 loan forgiveness, and let's say you've been making payments these past two years, and in total, you've made, let's say, $5,000 in payments. When that $10,000 hits, it's going to pay the $10,000 off, and you're going to get that $5,000 back refunded to you. You'll just get a refund, and you can go use that however you see fit.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> Very great benefit as far as like how you say money raining down. That's excellent. <laughs> Yeah. So do these young professionals, do they actually need to apply for the forgiveness program then? Or does that automatically come onto their account?
1: So for this one time forgiveness, yes, you have to apply for it. If you don't, you're not going to get it. They're not automatically just unilaterally applying it to people's account because they want people to certify and attest to the income requirements, the limits, which is 125000 for a single person and I believe $250,000 for a couple. That's the max you can make in order to qualify for this one-time forgiveness.
0: That's perfect. Well, you've heard it here, folks. If you're in that situation, take advantage of that.
1: If you are defaulted, they're still giving it to defaulted borrowers too. So it could help you. This could be something that will help you. What? Yes. The one-time loan. Wow. Yes. So if you think I'm defaulted, I won't qualify. No, nope. Go on there and submit the application. I tell people all the time, like you thinking like, oh, I don't qualify. Like get that out of your head. Just go apply. Apply for any and everything as it pertains to loan forgiveness with the federal government, because you just never know. If, there's no downside You know, the worst that can happen is they tell you, no, no, you're not eligible for it. So go on there, submit that application. And then the other thing, too, I want to add, Caspi, is the Department of Education under the Biden administration, they've also implemented something called Fresh Start, and it is for defaulted borrowers. So if you are a defaulted student loan borrower, they're offering you a get out of jail free card is what I'm calling it. (laughs) (laughs) You get out of jail for free. In that they are giving you the opportunity without having to make payments or go through a loan rehab to essentially get out of this default. They are asking that you consolidate within a year, consolidate all of your federal loans into one direct loan. And while you're going through this, this is the big thing with the Fresh Start, is while you're going through this process, they are essentially allowing financial aid administrators to award federal student loans and Pell Grant and the free federal money to you to go back to school while you are working through this Fresh Start program.
0: That is perfect.
1: Take advantage of it, people.
0: Yes. Overall, I hear the whole theme song of money, 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 <laughs> money in my head. So <laughs> that's excellent. Mm. All right, so got So as we wrap up with today's conversation, are there any other tips or advice For recent college grads trying to take care of their student loan payments after graduation that you would like to offer to our audience?
1: I would just recap by telling people it does not benefit you to ignore it or to bury your head in the sand. I know it can seem overwhelming, but there are resources that are out here for you to assist you from your alma mater, your college university that you graduated from, to even sometimes the local community colleges. The college where I am a director of financial aid services, Howard Community College in Columbia, Maryland, we offer these services to the community, not just, you know, our students and the alumni. So the actual Howard County community, if you have questions about your student loans and repayment, like the community, they can reach out to us. They can stop by and we're there and willing to help your servicer, reach out to your servicer, studentaid.gov is the hub of all information for students. Go to studentaid.gov. That is where you apply for the one-time loan forgiveness. That is where you apply for the free application for federal student aid, also known as a FAFSA, which is what you need in order to get federal aid in order to go to school. It has all the information on the defaulted Fresh Start Initiative to assist you if you are in default. A lot of frequently asked questions are on that Department of Ed webpage. Again, it's studentaid.gov. Go there, take a look. Do the exit loan counseling, familiarize yourself with all of the various different repayment plan options that are available to you and the benefits of forbearance and economic hardship deferments that are available to you if you cannot afford to make your payment So reach out to your servicer, reach out to your school, go to studentaid.gov, look at your local community college, contact them to see if there's any services that they are willing to provide or, you know, ask questions. Most of the times they are more than willing to answer your questions. So just reach out for help. Reach out to me if you have a question. I am on LinkedIn, Tamika Bybee, that's B as in boy, Y, B as in boy, E-E. Tamika Bybee. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I post a lot of stuff with regards to student loans and all the things that are going on now, all the legislation that's going on, all the talk with regards to, you know, assisting people and borrowers with their student loan debt. Just, you know, ask for help. So that's my my final advice.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tamika, for coming on to the show today. Thank you.
1: You're very welcome. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Well, guys, This is our last episode of season three. Thank you to all of my guests this season for sharing your tips and advice. And as always, thank you audience for listening. And yes, season three may be ending, but don't you worry because season four will be coming at you in 2023. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Season four. There is so much more to cover so much more topics to explore and share. In the meantime, be sure to shoot me a message at CaspiLbias at gmail.com of names of guests or topics you'd like for me to go more into. Make sure you also subscribe to the show so you'll be the first to know when Season 4 starts up. And if you haven't already, follow us at our new Instagram page at adulting 101 with Caspi. We'll be dropping news there too for when the new season starts. Until then... See you all in season four.